The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, academic neurosurgeon Dr. Evan Alexander III, has had, a great, uh, has had as great an impact on the world's appreciation of NDEs as anyone else I can think of. A physician who served as an associate professor at Harvard Medical School and at revered teaching hospitals, Dr. Alexander was once staunchly committed to the materialist belief that the physical world is all that exists. That view was forever altered by his amazing near-death experience in 2008 when a bacterial infection severely damaged his brain and plunged him into a week-long coma. Though not expected to live, Dr. Alexander awoke to make an inexplicable return to full health. And since his NDE, Eben has been reconciling his rich spiritual experience with quantum physics, cosmology, the philosophy of mind, and the proposition that consciousness is primordial and the physical brain its filter. Dr. Alexander speaks around the world on the role that consciousness plays in wellness and recovery. His teachings include the vital practice of achieving expanded states of awareness through differential frequency audio recordings or centering prayer to fully express our higher soul's free will, including extraordinary healing. Dr. Alexander's books are available in more more than 40 countries. His most recent book, Living in a Mindful Universe, a Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Heart of Consciousness, co-authored with Sacred Acoustics co-founder Karen Newell, has garnered accolades from scientists seeking to unlock the nature of consciousness. Dr. Alexander's earlier books, Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, and The Map of Heaven, How Science, Religion, and Ordinary People are Proving the Afterlife, have collectively spent more than two years atop the New York Times and international bestseller lists. So then, Eben, welcome to NDE Radio. Well, Lee, thanks so much for having me on. It's a real joy to talk with you. Well, this is going to be uh, very exciting. And before we get started, I want to uh, let the listeners know that this is just the first of three programs we're doing. Today's will be about the amazing NDE that redirected the trajectory of your life. Part two next week's show will be about the concept of consciousness and the amazing research you and your partner in research and co-author of Living in a Mindful Universe, Karen Newell, will be doing together. And part three will focus on your work with Karen on sacred acoustics. So with that (laughs) all stated, um, if you would, please, Evan, tell us how bacterial meningitis brought on your remarkable NDE. Okay, well, I think it's important to point out uh, a little bit of who I was before. Uh, You mentioned a lot of it in your introduction, but uh, uh, I had grown up in a scientific household. My father was an academic neurosurgeon, head of a training program, training neurosurgeons, um, and he he, he was intensely scientific, and yet he also was very religious. He believed uh, very strongly in God and, and a personal, loving personal God and the power of prayer, fact, I know it's something he used a lot in his healing as a neurosurgeon. Um, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and like many of that generation, I always knew that science is the pathway to truth. And I wanted to believe a lot of what I heard in the Methodist church growing up in North Carolina, 
Um, but through a, a long neurosurgical career, including uh, 15 years teaching at Harvard Medical School, uh, I thought I'd come to know a lot about brain-mind consciousness and how they work, but I was mystified how any kind of conscious awareness could survive the death of the brain and body. And uh, I think that's why I went through all this, was, was I was kind of confused about all that. I wanted some answers. Um, and so by the time I went into coma, which was November 10th, 2008, uh, I was very much in the kind of materialist camp or physicalist camp, believing that the physical world is all that exists um, and, and that uh, somehow we must then explain the um, fact that consciousness seems to arise from the physical matter of the brain. Even though I knew there were tremendous problems with that line of thinking, I thought, uh, you know, if we keep studying the physical world, sooner or later we're going to uh, figure this out. Um, and that's why uh, everything that happened in, in November 2008 was such an absolute shock, because it completely reversed everything I ever thought I'd known about this and threw me into the modern uh, kind of scientific discussion about the nature of brain, mind, and consciousness and of all of human spirit. Now, so what did that actually involve? Well, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, November 10th, 2008, with severe back pain, soon realized I had a horrific headache. Uh, and before too long, I was having grand mal seizures and I was gone from this world. Uh, I, I did not have any more conscious awareness for seven days. Uh, what I do know, and a lot of the story told in Proof of Heaven, uh, was reported to me by other people who were around, like family and friends and the healthcare team that took care of me. And what I did discover uh, is that um, uh, when I, after my seizures and my family was calling the EMTs, they came and took me off to the uh, Lynchburg General Hospital emergency room. Uh, that's where Dr. Laura Potter, who I had worked with for several years in that hospital, um, she didn't even recognize me when she came in the room. All she had been told by the nurses was extremely ill, 54-year-old white male, status epilepticus in extremis in Major Bay 10. Uh, and when she went in there, she realized how sick I was. In fact, she was worried. She told me much later that I might not even get out of her emergency room very, uh, you know, alive at all. Wow. And uh, that's when they did the lumbar puncture. Out came thick white pus under pressure. Uh, they put me on three powerful intravenous antibiotics, uh, intubated me, put me up on a ventilator, up on a medical ICU. Uh, and the estimate of the doctors at the beginning was that I had about a 10% chance of living through this. I mean, it was a devastating uh, bacterial meningoencephalitis uh, that came on very rapidly. And that, that's what makes it so dangerous, is going from symptom onset to deep coma within three and a half hours is a very bad sign. And during most of that week, um, all I did was kind of languish, not show much sign of improvement. In fact, by the uh, day seven of coma, uh, it was a Sunday, and the doctors held a family conference where they recommended stopping the antibiotics. And the reason for that is they thought I'd gone from a 10% chance of survival to 2%. And also, being in deep coma that long from uh, bacterial meningoencephalitis that had inflamed all eight lobes of my brain is not a situation that allows for any realistic prospect of recovery. And that's why they were recommending to my family to stop the antibiotics. Mm. And um, so that was kind of the state I was in that uh, day seven of coma. And that's when I started coming back to this world. Uh, what I'd like to do now, though, is share with you what I knew when I first woke up in that ICU room. Because 
Uh, in fact, I was throughout the entire experience of my coma, I was completely amnesic for the life of Evan Alexander. I had no memories of anything that had ever happened to me, none of my scientific knowledge, my religious uh, preferences, uh, none of the personal events of my life. I didn't even have language or uh, words or, you know, um, my knowledge of, of Earth and the universe was completely gone. Uh, it was truly an empty slate. And that's a mystery because that that's probably about the only thing that separates out my NDE as being uh, unusual. There's something called the Grayson scale that Bruce Grayson at UBA developed. Yes. Which is uh, a scale to measure the, the kind of depth and intensity of a near-death experience. And uh, the maximum score you can get that is 32. Anything above seven is considered an NDE. And my score is probably up around 28 or 29, hmm. depending on some of the details of how you answer those questions. So it scores very highly. In fact, main reason I lost points at all there was uh, um, this amnesia, because it, it did not allow for me to have any, <coughs> excuse me, any memories of my life. And therefore, uh, you know, to have a personalized life review and things like that was uh, eliminated from my prospects. Now, in that setting of pure amnesia, it all started in what I call the earthworm's eye view, a very primitive course, unresponsive realm. Uh, it was like being in dirty jello, and I have a strong kind of tactile memories of roots or blood vessels all around me. I never had any sense of a body awareness at all during any point of this journey. I was simply a speck of awareness, like a, a neutral observer witnessing things, even though a lot of the, the observer aspect of that was deeply kind of emotional and powerful. So I guess I shouldn't necessarily use the word neutral. Hmm. But in that, in that uh, uh, beginning stage, I'm sure I had no memory moment to moment, so it seemed that I was there forever in that earthworm eye view. But the good news is I wasn't. I was rescued by a slowly spinning clear white light that was surrounded by fine silvery and golden tendrils. And it came towards me. Uh, one of the interesting things that I remember about it was that it came the perfect musical melody. And in fact, that melody proved to be very important uh, as I went through this whole adventure because I would cycle through these spiritual realms but I'd keep returning back to that earth, uh, to that earthworm eye view. And by remembering the musical notes of the melody, I could very quickly uh, conjure up that uh, beautiful light portal that led me up into a very different realm. Uh, and the first time that happened, what I uh, saw was this uh, 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 beautiful portal of light that led me out of this dark, murky depth of the earthworm eye view into this brilliant, ultra real gateway valley uh, and it was filled with lots of earthly features uh, it was like a beautiful meadow and forest with sparkling waterfalls and the crystal blue pools and lush plant life i mean the uh, plant life was just absolutely astonishing there was no sign of any death or decay anywhere and in many ways i i often look back on that uh that gateway valley is kind of like plato's world of ideals but it's kind of the world of ideals for our soul. That's where we go through our life review. That's where we reconnect with souls of departed loved ones, with our higher soul, uh, go through all of that process. Uh, I think that's something that's commonly described in NDEs. And from my point of view, this is a common realm. The more you uh, pay attention to NDEs, talk with people who have had them, read all the accounts, uh, the more you find uh, some amazing similarities 
uh, in the description. And I believe that that gateway valley is something that I've heard described, you know, in various forms uh, uh, through many NDEs. Um, the other thing to mention about that is my awareness in that gateway valley. I was a speck of awareness on a butterfly wing. And it was one of millions of butterflies that were all flying in, in these vast spiraling formations. Colors beyond the rainbow. Um, and the best part about this was I wasn't alone on the butterfly wing. There was a beautiful young woman uh, with uh, sparkling blue eyes, high cheekbones, a broad smile, high forehead, soft brown hair framing her lovely face. Uh, and she was witnessing with me much of what I was seeing going on excuse me, in that valley, thousands of beings. Um, and in my early writings in the first weeks, uh, when I uh, came out of all this and was trying to record it all, I called those souls between lives. That's what they seemed to me, that lots of joy and merriment. And I, I remember vivid images of, of children playing and dogs jumping, just incredible festivities. And it was all being fueled because up above, were these swooping orbs of, uh, of pure spiritual beings. And in my writings weeks later, I labeled those swooping orbs as uh, angelic choirs. And it was the chants and anthems and hymns that were uh, thundering through my awareness from those swooping orbs above uh, that really fueled all this incredible festivity. It was an amazing uh, scene to live through. Important to point out, it was much more real than this world. People often, uh, you know, if they haven't had this kind of experience, they assume that, uh, you know, it's murky and kind of dreamlike and ephemeral. Uh, and it's actually the opposite of that. It's ultra real. It makes this life and these material bodies in the material realm look fairly dreamlike and murky and misty by comparison. And that was something that was absolutely shocking. And I'll say one of the reasons you often hear people say that NDEs are um, ineffable, you know, that they cannot be put into words. One reason for that is our, our language is very good, uh, for example, to describe a trip to Disney World, uh, but it's not at all well suited to describing these kind of journeys. And part of it is that our knowledge, how we gain information is very different. You know, in this world, in physical bodies, uh, we use our eyes and ears uh, and tongue and taste and smell and our senses to kind of put together a picture of, of the world around us. Um, and it basically forms up in kind of a linear narrative that we can report to other people that can be a fairly faithful representation of events. That is not the case in those spiritual realms where our knowledge uh, is no longer coming through the filtering mechanisms of sensory organs in the brain, uh, but in many ways we're often drinking full bore, uh, like drinking consciousness from a fire hose, mm. uh, that pure uh, conscious awareness of those realms, and often what I call knowledge through identification, where we become uh, huge swathes of the scene around us. Uh, and, for example, life reviews uh, are often kind of described in that way where you uh, can witness all the events of your life that are still crucial for certain soul lessons uh, of learning and teaching, and you go through every bit of them in complete detail uh, in an NDE, even if that NDE happens over just a few seconds or minutes of a cardiac arrest. Uh, another important observation here is what I call deep time, that there's a completely different ordering of time that is more fundamental 
in those spiritual realms that allows for the evolution of consciousness, that allows for our souls and soul growth, that allows uh, things like reincarnation to occur, but also our, our loved ones' souls are still absolutely available to us uh, you know, when we cross over. Uh, that deep time is what allows, uh, uh, prevents so many of the paradoxes that would happen if Earth time were also governing all the events of that realm. Uh, so very crucial kind of concept to get. Uh, but also understanding that this knowledge through identification, we become others. We become, like in a life review, we become other beings. And since uh, the impact of any actions or thoughts that we might have ha- influenced on others uh, in our lifetime, we experience it from their point of view. One of the most interesting things about the life review is how it uh, uh, it basically uh, destroys our notion of the boundaries of self. And in a life review, you start realizing how the very drama of our lives is allowing this composite one mind uh, that we're sharing to evolve. Uh, It's through those shared lessons. Uh, And that that knowledge through identification can become grand indeed, uh, as I'll describe in just a minute. Um, But uh, in, in that gateway valley, I was tremendously comforted by the messages from that beautiful uh, companion on the butterfly wing. You are deeply loved and cherished forever. You have nothing to fear. You will be taken care of. And all of this was delivered telepathically because, of course, in those realms, there's no need uh, for kind of physical speech and and communication. And again, that points out that uh, we are no longer using our eyes and ears and and brain as a, a filtering mechanism but we are full bore uh, connected to that larger consciousness. And that is another thing that makes it very difficult uh, to kind of explain these uh, events to people who haven't had it. It's one of the reasons why I always love talking with an NDE community or audience or other NDEers, uh, because in many ways the communication goes far beyond the words. And yes. this kind of deep uh, uh, empathy and understanding is always there. Now in that Gateway Valley, um, it turns out that was not the be-all and end-all of my journey because, in fact, those angelic choirs above provided yet another portal uh, into higher and higher levels. And I remember seeing all of four-dimensional space-time in the material realm collapsing down, all of uh, what I call deep time and the kind of causal relationships of that spiritual realm of the, of the Gateway Valley, all of that collapsing down as I ascended through yet another portal that was provided the music of the, the angelic choirs all the way out to what I call the core. And the core uh, is the furthest from human experience, therefore by far the most difficult to put into any kind of words. Uh, but by the time I'd gotten to this core realm, I sensed that the entire higher dimensional multiverse throughout all of eternity had been collapsed into this complex oversphere that was there to serve as part of the lessons. And part of that was knowledge through identification uh, that I had with that universal consciousness. And that uh, obviously is something you cannot put into any kind of words that makes sense to anybody. That's why uh, we've taken the tack of meditation and centering prayer and teaching others to get to those realms. Uh, So even if you haven't had an NDE, I believe that with a regular practice of meditation, you can come to know a lot of these very same deep truths about the connectedness of love and the one mind. Now, a few things I should point out about this core realm 
is uh, it was filled to overflowing. I mean, first of all, you have to imagine the higher dimensional multiverse uh, throughout all of eternities. There's this uh, tiny little, you know, sphere of uh, a teaching point. Uh, and yet my awareness of that God force, of that infinite healing power of, of love completely permeated that entire uh, infinite uh, realm of the core. Uh, I was also aware of this brilliant orb of light that I felt was there to serve as kind of a translator, a kind of a, a higher consciousness to help unite me with that infinite loving force of God. And, and that, that uh, orb of light I sensed as kind of an interpreter or translator. And um, it turns out that it, in that core realm, the, the deep of telepathic message, again, nothing ever in words. The words only came later when I wrote it all down. But conveying that message was, uh, in the core, you are not here to stay. You will be going back. But we will teach you many things. And that was a lot of what I encountered there. In fact, all of my knowledge of uh, the reality of reincarnation and of the role of the life review was presented to me in that core realm, really as two kind of master visions. Um, one of them was uh, uh, probably the simplest to explain was of schools of, of flying fish and kind of the way the analogy played out or the metaphor played out of my understanding was that we're, when we're down in the material realm, we're temporarily dumbed down to much of the knowledge that our higher soul has. And the reason for that is to give us emotional buy-in, uh, give us skin in the game to participate in these lives very actively and emotionally, to get engaged with them. Um, and then uh, the, the school of flying fish, you know, the individual members of it would pop up out of the water. And out of the water was back in the in the spiritual realm. That's where we reunite with higher soul. That's where we uh, reunite with our soul groups, go through those life reviews, and plan those next incarnations. Because I believe all of this, uh, this entire existence of the universe, has to do with sentient beings uh, discovering more fully their relationship with the universe at large and this kind of presence of pure consciousness that permeates and drives the entire universe. So that, that vision of the flying fish was really one showing the difference between the material realm and the spiritual realms. Now, importantly, is we get most of our soul growth done down here when we're temporarily dumbed down to that higher knowing. But it's how we live these lives that allows us to discover that. And that's why that life review such as, serves as such a beautiful mid-course correction for planning next incarnations and for best harvesting the various lessons uh, to be taught and learned in these lives before uh, reincarnating. Now, the other way that reincarnation and life reviews were presented to me in that core realm was this fantastic vision um, of this net. Uh, this uh, It was almost like a spider web. I, I, I like to call it Indra's net because it reminds me uh, of that con uh, kind of concept that comes out of Eastern mystical traditions. But it uh, was a network showing these threads, and the threads were our individual soul existence through multiple lifetimes, and the beautiful web and weave of uh, a wharf and weave of those uh, of that tapestry uh, showed very clearly this process of living these lives, learning these lessons, going through that period between lives, uh, and then remanifesting, reshuffling the roles. Uh, you know, if in one lifetime one of us is parent and another member of our soul group is the child, potentially you can switch roles in the next lifetime. Likewise, um, 
our gender is not anything that is uh, um, belongs to our soul. In fact, we flip genders uh, many a time in these lifetimes. So that, that's how it was presented to me. And in that core realm, uh, there was that uh, very strong sense of actually identifying our conscious awareness as originating with that infinitely loving God force at the core of the entire universe. So in essence, each and every one of us, is one with the entire universe. We have this false sense of separation from each other, but that supports this drama to unfold. Now, it turns out in my NDE, uh, inexplicably, I would tumble back down from that core realm all the way back to the earthworm's eye view. Hmm. And that was a big mystery to me. It happened several times, uh, but very early on, I recognized that by remembering the musical notes of the melody, I could conjure up that uh, that uh, beautiful spinning white light, and it would usher me up into the Gateway Valley again. Always welcomed by that beautiful guardian angel, uh, and then um, again those beautiful angelic choirs would uh, serve up another portal, taking me back to the core. And and so that was the basic drama of my journey of discovery was going through that many times. But then there came a point where, as they told me, every time I got to the core, or you're not here to stay where I realized I could no longer conjure up uh, that that uh, portal to the Gateway Valley. To say I was sad at that time would be an immense understatement, but the fact is I'd already learned that I could trust in the universe. I knew I would be taken care of. And that's when I was aware of thousands of beings going off into the distance around me, uh, many with their heads bowed, candles in front of them, and this murmuring energy coming up from them. Uh, and what I called all that when I came back and wrote it down weeks later, that was the power of prayer, bringing me back to this world. And it was at that point that I witnessed uh, six faces, and I describe all this in, in Proof of Heaven, but the six faces were really the veridical time anchors that showed me that the vast majority of my coma experience happened between days one and five. Um, and uh, that was at a time when my brain was way too uh, beleaguered by all of this to have uh, come up with any kind of dream or hallucination. Now, for those out there in this world who need to know more about this, I would strongly encourage you to look at the case report of my medical records. Uh, that was put together by Bruce Grayson and two other doctors who were not involved in my care. Uh, it came out in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Diseases in September 2018. Anybody can access that uh, case report if you go to ebonalexander.com, look at my blog postings, and then go back to September 2018 when I wrote a blog about that case report. Uh, and in the third paragraph, there's a link directly to it. The reason I bring that up is because, in fact, those physicians uh, were even more shocked by the extent of my illness and the fact that I could have a full recovery. That's one of the reasons why they uh, examined all this and uh, what they found, and in fact, how they explained to the peer reviewers the, the way they got it published, because the peer reviewers agreed with me and with uh, Grayson and the authors that, in fact, this was such an extraordinary case. How do you explain that full recovery? There's no explanation within the medical data itself. It all looks like somebody who goes on to die. Um, mm -hmm. And yet Grayson and the other doctors writing that report knew from other NDEs about the extraordinary nature of NDEs to promote healing. So just as a placebo effect is a beautiful example of how our beliefs and attitudes and our mind can influence our healing tremendously, 
uh, even more so, a profound NDE can have the spiritual power to lead to healing that has no explanation within Western medicine. And I believe that's one of the most important uh, lessons from my NDE, and certainly as a physician, that's what I've used the last 12 years in working with scientists around the world uh, to t come up with a deeper explanation of all this. And one of the greatest gifts of that is for us to realize we have tremendous power over our health and over all the events of our lives. And all of that emerges from this deeper uh, kind of knowing that's presented to us through NDEs. But you don't have to have an NDE to get all this and to fully reap these benefits. You just need to know about them and then have a practice of going within deep meditation, centering prayer. Those are all things that we can certainly uh, discuss in future interviews. Yes. One thing might uh, be important to mention, just as a point of vertical evidence, was your discovery of the who that was on the other wing of the butterfly. Yes, well, that is an abs That's a wonderful point, and of course, it's a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read Proof of Heaven, because that's really how that book comes together at the end. But it has to do with the fact that I was adopted, uh, and that uh, I was put up for adoption when I was 11 days old. Um, and then I went through most of my life not knowing my adoptive family at all. Um, and then I was blessed to uh, reconnect with them uh, in the year 2007, one year before my coma. But that was after I spent uh, eight years, beginning in 2000, in a dark side of the soul because of a perceived rejection from my birth mother. Um, and again, the entire story is in proof of heaven. It's an extraordinary story. But the reality is... Um, it was four months after my coma when I received a picture in the mail from my birth sister. Uh, and that was of the sister who had died two years before I even found out of her existence. She died in 1998. It was in 2000 that I found out my birth parents had actually gotten married, which I cannot tell you what a giant shock that was. Uh, but not only that, they had three children. But the youngest daughter had died two years earlier, 1998. And, of course, the picture that was sent to me four months after my coma connected all the dots. That's when I finally recognized that beautiful woman on the butterfly wing. If I had scripted my NDE, that guardian angel would have been my father. He had passed over four years before my coma. Uh, but, in fact, it was this beautiful girl who I did not recognize at the time. Uh, but, but that's because, uh, you know, I, the data had to be revealed to me. Uh, and that was the photograph sent from my birth sister four months after my coma, uh, where I connected all the dots. And of note, I had read a story from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her book, uh, Life After Death, uh, of a young girl who uh, had died, uh, had a profound NDE where she was welcomed to heaven by her brother. Uh, she then came back to this world. Uh, but when she talked over with her father, she said, I didn't have a brother. And he said, well, you did, but we never told you about it. Yes. And that's when I looked up at that picture I had received the day before, four months after my coma. And, oh, my God, I cannot tell you what a shocker that was. Uh, wow. I couldn't even stand up for 30 minutes. I was so blown away by connecting all the dots and the reality of my NDE and that whole experience. It seemed way too real to be real. Mm -hmm. uh, seemed so because it was. It actually occurred, and it was my beautiful first sister who welcomed me to that realm. Oh, thank you for telling us the, the rest of the story because it's so powerful. It's so moving. Okay. Uh, and we are so out of time. <laughs> but and I, were, I was jotting down questions, and I expect I'll ask some of them in our uh, next show, part two, 
of our interview with Evan Alexander. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the Past Shows button. For more information about IANS, go to their website at iands.org. And be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more of NDE Radio with Eben Alexander and Karen Newell. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>